What's up, Kirk? Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice in the Numbers. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And we are coming at you on uh, Friday, November 15th. The uh, We're going to talk about the MLB awards that were handed out this past week. And we will do a small discussion, uh, potentially depending on how aggravated Corwin and I get, on what happened with Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph in this week's Thursday Night Football game. So, yeah. you ready to dive on in here? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. All right. So, since our awards are actually, uh, or the MLB awards are actually based, or um, are part of, I should say, our 2019 bull predictions for the MLB that we will officially be grading ourselves on. Why don't we start with our bold predictions and uh, the award section thereof? Absolutely. Would you like to start? Um, no, you go for it. All right. For AL MVP, I had chosen Matt Chapman. And for NL MVP, I had chosen Paul Goldschmidt. So Matt Chapman did not win this award. Uh, <laughs> Matt Chapman came in sixth. So just shy of a top five finish. Uh, he had 21% of the vote share and uh, actually did finish with more war than the two people directly ahead of him, Xander Bogarts and DJ LeMayu. But regardless, did not uh, collect any first place votes and uh, finished sixth. No, uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, Paul, I don't think you even <laughs> placed up here. Oh, he finished 20th. 20th. He finished with two points <laughs> a zero percent vote share he had 2.8 war finishing above absolutely nobody that was ahead of him uh <laughs> clearly a decent year for paul goldschmidt since he did get a top 20 finish but by far a great year for paul goldschmidt uh far from being i should say a great year for paul goldschmidt so no points there Corwin, i have a question for you yep are you doing this off of the updated predictions we did halfway, or are these your original predictions? I'm doing the original ones. I didn't All realize right. that we had. I didn't, I didn't write. I don't think I wrote down any updated predictions. I don't have any here. I do. I have two separate, um, like tabs for updated ones. But we can go with the original. It really yeah. shouldn't matter too much. Yeah. For the AL, I had Mike Trout. Shocker. I know that was definitely one of those easy bets. I'll I take gave you it, shit please. for it. I gave you, you absolutely shit did for taking uh, the easiest choice in the world because I am victorious and I took an easy win. Um, but yeah, Mike Trout won a MVP in the AL. I don't know why anyone was surprised by that. I don't think anyone actually was, but he did. So whatever. Um, and then in the NL, I had Aaron Nola, which is um, <laughs> not who won that. Not even close. With a 12 and 7 record, a 3.87 ERA, uh, 202 innings pitched. Uh, let's see, had 229 strikeouts, so not bad there. Um, 116 ERA plus, a 4.03 FIP, 10.2 strikeouts per nine. Not great. Um, definitely not great. Thought he would have a breakout season after being an all-star, finishing top three in the Cy Young, uh, top 15 in MVP last year. He did not. He regressed quite a bit. So, yeah. Oops. One pitcher did finish in the top 10 for MVP voting in the National League. Any guesses? 
Uh, in the National League? Yeah. Uh, I would guess Jake DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty good at this. All right, let's move into Cy Young. Yeah. I had chosen Trevor Bauer. Uh, did Trevor Bauer finish anywhere near the top five? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I'm just going to jump in on you here because I also had Trevor Bauer. Oh, wait, no, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm looking at your page. Uh, okay. I had James Paxton. Okay, my bad. Okay, I was going to say, like, sense. I don't remember us picking the same, but I'm looking at Trevor Bauer right it here. It also right. like, directly contradicts one of my um, later picks. Predictions, but, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, so I had James Paxton, who did not finish anywhere near the top five. And then for the National League, I had Jameson Tyone, who spent like the entire year hurt. So obviously also not a no points there. Tis a shame. Corwin, who did you have? (laughs) I wonder. I had Trevor Bauer. Uh, Not a great year. Uh, I wouldn't say he had a terrible year, but he had a pretty bad year. Um, Went 11 and 13, uh, 4.48 ERA, which was just awful uh after he got traded to cincinnati he finished the season with uh, a 6.39 era there in 10 games um but in total had 213 innings pitched had 253 strikeouts so still did his job there uh 4.34 fip you know didn't do great with the uh cy youngs because obviously still had Aaron Nola up there so not great yeah. Oh well. All right. For rookie of the year, I had written in unheard of Angels prospect for the American League and <laughs> random Atlanta prospect for the National League. And I was kind of close. <laughs> yeah, not far uh, off. So for the American League, uh the preseason assumption was it was gonna be Vlad Guerrero Jr., which ended up being Corwin's pick, which was Again, I made fun of him for it being a safe pick, and Aaron uh, Vlad Guerrero didn't even finish in the top five. So the fact that um, it was an unheard of prospect, I just got the team wrong. Uh, I think, you know, I'll give myself a a small pat on the back there, but it ended up being Jordan Alvarez. Uh, He was unanimous (laughs) in his his vote getting 100% of the the vote share. Johnny Means actually came in second here, which I thought was pretty cool from Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore having second place finishes for rookie of the year in two out of the last three seasons with Trey Mancini taking second place in 2017, just behind Aaron judge. So Baltimore having a, you know, the, the young guys, they're there, they're there. And then I just want to the- say Johnny Means should have won the Cy Young or not the Cy Young rookie of the year. Why is that? Uh, he had a 1,000 OPS on top of having all of those pitching stats. He clearly lapped uh, Jordan everywhere. Uh, it's oh, no, bullshit. Corin, Corin, he had a 2,000 OPS. He had a 1,000. 000- oh, God, you're right. I'm so stupid. Yeah. Yeah, what a fucking scrub this Jordan Alvarez kid. I bet his team God. cheats. 439 uh, OPS plus. Bullshit, man. Uh. And then I was really, really close to getting the National League one right, as Mike Soroka did finish in second place for Rookie of the Year, the Atlanta pitcher, uh, but ultimately went to Pete Alonso, who came a, uh, I, wanted, I was going to say a really outdated phrase, but he came very close to winning uh, unanimously alongside Jordan Alvarez. Instead, he won. He got 29 out of 31st place votes. Uh, yeah, yeah, he had, a, he had a really nice little season there, so. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so half credit. I'll give myself half credit for this one. <laughs> I'll take it because I'm going to take half credit on Fernando Tatis Jr., who finished third in Rookie of the Year votings for the National Leagues. Uh, probably would have won it too, uh, batting a 306 uh, with a 930 OPS. Just had an absolute monster year. Really? I have him here as a, as a 317 with a 969 OPS. Oh, I'm stupid. I'm looking at his 2020 projected instead of his 2019. Ah, okay. Bat 317, 969 OPS. Uh, let's see, how many home runs did he hit? 22 home runs. So there it is. Only played in 84 games, was hurt and, for a good yeah, chunk of the year. That's why. Um, but finished top three still. If you played the full year, I would have gotten a full point, but I didn't. Do you do you think Pete Alonso wins Rookie of the Year if he didn't break the home run record? Um, because he had I, like a really good season, but I, I yeah. genuinely, in my heart of hearts, because I don't hate the Mets in the slightest, I genuinely believe, genuinely believe he should have finished third behind Soroka and Tatis, even with the fifty-three home runs. I get it's cool and flashy, but like everyone hits home runs, like, I don't give a shit. Like Mike Soroka had a great season as a he had a, mm -hmm. Mike Soroka had a two point six eight ERA as a rookie. Yeah, it's he pitched crazy. 174 innings. Like that's so impressive. Mm -hmm. Tatis bet over 300 in the uh, NL West, which is really tough. That's a really good pitching division. Like I don't know that both those just seem so much more impressive to me. I agree. I think if he hit 49 home runs, he wouldn't have won it. But because he broke the 50 barrier as a rookie, that put him over the edge. I agree. Um, but yeah, for the AL, I had, like Josh said, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Didn't have a tremendous year. 272 batting average, 772 OPS, uh, 15 home runs in 123 games. Not a terrible year. Finished top six in rookie of the year, or finished sixth rookie of the year, but um, not what everyone expected. So safe bet went sideways for Corwin. Yeah, who'd have thought that he would finish behind Kevin Biggio, who I don't think started the season up with Toronto either and was significantly no, less No, but he, he, was, uh, he was an early call-up. He got called up before Vlad did. Oh, you're right, he did. All right, so let's go into... So next on our list, we have Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, Comeback Player of the Year is actually getting released today, the day this episode airs, Monday, the 18th. So we're not talking about it yet, but we had everything else, and we didn't feel like waiting a week. So we will loop back on our Comeback Player of the Year predictions when they are announced later on. So instead, we're going to skip to Manager of the Year. Uh, for the American League, I had picked Aaron Boone. And for the National League, I had picked Bruce Bochy. Uh, Bruce Bochy did not finish anywhere close, <laughs> um, whereas Aaron Boone finished second. And I got to say, uh, I'm salty about Aaron Boone finishing second. I, I really yeah. am. And I, I know I'm going to get a lot of Yankee boy bias, and I will accept that because it's it's certainly partially true. But what did Rocco Baldelli do that Aaron Boone didn't do better? <sighs> I think it's because nobody really expected the Twins to be this good this year. I don't I, know. I get that, but at the same time... All right, so preseason predictions, should the Twins have been this good? No. So the fact that they were is really impressive. On the other hand, if you had put out what the Yankees lineup was going to be with all of their injuries and asked, you know, um, what's the, the, the projections thing that Pakoda... To come out with a projection for uh, 
projected record for what that team was going to be, it would it would have sucked too. Like Boone did wonders with this team that was m- massively injured, massively injured, and oh man, I just. Like, if I had a vote, I would have given it to Aaron Boone, but I get the reasoning behind Rocco Baldelli. I, oh, I still don't. I just don't get it. They they seem to have on the surface relatively comparable performances this year, and yet uh, Boone's more impressive by virtue of the fact that he had to do it with a bunch of second to fifth string dudes. Mike Talkman played meaningful games for us. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, we we traded. shouldn't have been that good for that much of the season. No, we we, we ended up trading for. Um, uh, watch his fucking face from Cleveland. I can't think of his name. Oh, God damn it. The outfielder. He was in Cleveland's minor league system. Uh, Oscar Mercado. Oh, Cameron Maben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes we so much for- more sense. <laughs> Cameron Maben played meaningful games. Mike Ford played meaningful games for us. We love Mike Ford here. I do love Mike Ford, but it's still super fucking like, like, oh, God. I mean, what he did with this team is just so impressive. And I feel as though he got robbed. He's also the, f- he has the most wins as a manager in uh, his first two seasons ever. Ever, like, don't get me wrong. Baldelli had an awesome ass year, but I just, oh, Boone should have should have won. I'm gonna I be honest salty. with you here. I really think there's a part of the voting process that is super anti-Yankee because they're just sick of the Yankees. I think what happened because the thing is, Boone and Baldelli shared. They have the same number of first place votes. They both had 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they. They only their point differential, like, like Baldelli finished with 106 vote points to Boone's 96. So they ended up splitting out. out. It's like all the the second and third place votes that that kind of muddied the waters here. I don't have all the other votes in front of me. I only have the first place votes in front of me. Um, I don't know why they only show the first place votes. That's weird. But so you know, at that point, it's it's like is what it is kind of territory, I guess. But, mm-hmm. oh, God, does it just fucking suck? I mean, that Minnesota team, though, breaking the 100-game barrier, 100-win barrier, excuse me, I get it. I really do. It's just, it sucks the way it is. And uh, then Mike Schilt of St. Louis won it for um, the Ooh. National League, which I think makes a lot of sense given what they were expected to do coming into the season. And uh, all right, I don't think you read yours yet. So what were, what were your predictions? I had Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Royals. He finished Great third choice. behind Aaron Boone. Um, there was a stretch there where I was kind of concerned with that pick, uh, especially at the halfway point. Switched my vote to Terry Francona, um, or my prediction at least. But uh, that worked out well for me that we weren't doing that because he finished sixth. Um, I mean, the Royals had a had a great year. 96 games is nothing to scoff at, especially with how young that team is. Um and then in the NL, I had Andy Green, which, uh, whew, not so great of a choice. That was bad. Yeah. He, just, he got fired, right? I He's believe out. so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, because I now have it in front of me. Um, Baldelli finished with 13 first place votes, 13 second place votes, and two third place votes. Boone finished with 13 first place votes, 
Nine second place votes and four third place votes. Bless you. Uh, so what I'm going to guess here is that the people who picked Boone first picked Baldelli second. And the mm-hmm. people who picked Baldelli first didn't vote for Boone second. Um, That's usually how it goes. Yeah, because the Kevin Cash has three second place votes on three first place votes. And Bob Melvin has three second place votes on zero first place votes. Didn't Justin um, Verlander have more first place votes than Rick Purcello in like 2016, was it? 2017? Yeah, we've talked about that one a bunch. Yeah. I'll, I'll pull it up um, as we go through our, our next ones. But it was something it was something really weird because Purcello doesn't deserve to be a Cy Young winner, <laughs> like ever in his life. No, I am with you 150%. All right, so does that wrap? Oh, um, for World Series winners, I had the Houston Astros. I was close, <laughs> but I was wrong. I was the Yankees, almost as close, but not quite. Yeah, I don't think um, I don't think there were too many people here who picked the um, Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals. Yeah, uh, real quick, the year that that Justin Verlander won it, he had fourteen first place votes. How many? How many do you think Rick Porcello had? I want to say he had like six, eight. Fuck that guy. <laughs> eight. People eight. must have hated on Justin Verlander for some reason. I'm assuming he had like a losing record with the Tigers that year. I'm I'm gonna assume um his record. No, he went sixteen and nine. The problem is Porcello went twenty two and four. Oh right. having worse numbers literally yeah. everywhere else. Uh, oh, God, because you that's know, so it's bullshit. The Tigers. I think I think that's what made me like you know convince me to say all right. Pitcher wins are fucking bullshit, and run support is bullshit. Yeah, Justin Verlander finished that year with seven point two WAR to Rick Porcello's four point eight. All right. Anything else you want to talk about with awards? I don't think so. Nope that 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 is that is it. Yeah. Let's get into our our ten. All right, Corwin, you ready to do our ten bold predictions? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right my first uh bold is a rough word because it's not bold at all but my first bold prediction is that the yankees would break the home run record again that's not bold when i said it it's not bold now the yankees did break the home run record granted they do not hold the record now as the twins also broke last year's home run record and outpaced the yankees by i believe one or two home runs so they now have the record but the Yankees did still break the home run record, though they did not set the new one. So I'm giving myself full credit for that. Yeah, my uh, my first one was not quite as uh, as good. I said the Phillies would score more runs over than more runs than the New York Yankees over the course of the season, while on their way to winning 95 plus games. Um, well, the Yankees finished at number one with 943, uh, so this already didn't come true. Uh, Philadelphia <laughs> ended up 14th with 774 on their way to falling 14 games short of that 95-game pace. So, uh, no points for me. All right, I'm going to have to eyeball this one because I didn't prep this one ahead of time. Although, you know, I probably should have. Uh, <laughs> I did that with one of mine too, so it doesn't matter. Baltimore shows the biggest improvement by record. So in 2018, Baltimore won 47 games. 
In 2019, they won 54 games. So that's a seven game uh, positive differential. And let's see if I can see any teams that outpace that. Uh, the Rays came close. They won six more. The Blue Jays lost more. Oh, the Twins. Yeah, the Twins. The Twins won a lot more. The Twins won 23 more games than 2019. Yeah, I don't think that one's going to be. That's probably the most, but I want to see if I at least came in second. Kansas City won one more game. Wow. Detroit. Ooh, Detroit lost 17 more games. Ooh. That's not great. That is not no, great. It's not. Uh, the A's won the exact same amount. Good for them. Although the Mariners won. 21 fewer that sucks the angels won eight fewer how they keep getting worse is beyond me um oh the dodgers only won 92 games last year really really uh, yeah i don't know why i thought that they oh yeah remember because they finished with the tied record with the rockies because they fell apart at the end of the year and then they beat the rockies in that like one game uh and again that game 163 makes sense makes yeah sense so the so the so the dodgers also won 14 more games this year than they did last year um the brewers lost more the cardinals won a few more ah so uh the braves also won seven more games this year than they did last year and the nationals won 11 more all right this one they're not even like the top five okay all right (laughs) nope didn't come true zero points for that one uh that's what happens when you bet on the orioles what they had, were so bad. <laughs> yeah, know? no, don't don't worry. I I spent one of mine, uh, actually my third one on the Orioles, so we'll get to that. Uh, but for number two, I said Vlad Guerrero Jr. becomes a top five position player after an early May call up. Yeah, so uh, we know on a defensive basement basis, this definitely isn't true. His defense is not fantastic at third. So if we look at OPS, because we love OPS so much here, um. He also did not finish in the top five. He actually finished out of the top 15, landing at six. He wasn't even one of the top five rookies there, Corwin. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was bad. Uh, Finished with a 772 OPS, like we said. Very far behind the likes of Alex Bregman, Anthony Rendon, Nolan Arenado, Rafael Devers, and Yoan Moncada, rounding out the actual top five. So there's a lot of good players ahead of him that he is not beating anytime soon well i won't say that he definitely can soon but didn't happen this year. this year yeah uh my next one was no cleveland pitchers finished top five in cy young voting and i was close uh shane bieber unfortunately <laughs> finished fourth uh by the skin of his fucking teeth finished fourth so uh, I'm going to give myself half credit, though, because this actually did seem rather bold when I picked it since, you know, that Corey no Kluber, Trevor Bauer, Carlos Carrasco. Huh? What was it? The f- the full thing was no Indians pitcher would finish in the top five of Cy, Cy Young. Young yeah. And one did end up in the top five of Cy Young. And you're what? still going to give yourself points. I'm going to give myself half you credit for this. Son of a bitch. I'm going to because because if, if you said it was Corey Kluber, right? Then it'd be like, all right, I was blatantly wrong. Um, Josh, are you an Astros fan? Uh, no, but I love cheating. Ah, damn, you knew exactly where I was going. You bitch. <laughs> Give myself half credit, Corwin, it's your turn. All right. I, uh, number 13, the Orioles somehow win less than 47 games. 
they came close, but they did not quite do it. They finished with 54. Um, Detroit finished the with the next worst record, the worst in the MLB, and they finished with 47 wins. So I could give myself half credit for somehow. Actually, no, I couldn't. I'm going to be an honest Abe here and just say, nah, fuck everything. I suck. My next one, oh man, my next several ones are rough. Fuck. Uh, my next one is Eric Hosmer gets traded to a contender. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> zero, <laughs> zero points for Josh. All right. Uh, my next one, the Indians have all five starting pitchers record 200 plus strikeouts. Uh, I emphasize Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, Carlos Carrasco, Mike Clevenger, and Shane Bieber. Well, this didn't really happen uh, at all. Uh, Shane Bieber was the only one of the bunch to even hit 200, and he had 259. Uh, Trevor Bauer would have if he stayed with the Indians, but only had 185 while he was there. Mike Clevenger was hurt for a good chunk of the season. He finished with 169. Carlos Carrasco finished with 96 after his bout with leukemia. And Corey Kluber... Finished with a good old 14th ranked 38 strikeouts. So didn't quite happen for the Indians this year in any capacity. I'm assuming that's 14th on the team. Yes, 14th on the team. Not a, not 14th in MLB. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, my next one, these only get worse. My next one is that Juan Soto finishes with fewer than 30 home runs. Um, he He did hit. 34 so i am wrong again i anticipated a sophomore slump of his and i think i said when we made these that this wasn't a knock on him it was just uh, how hard it is to hit 30 home runs but as this year showed us the mlb loves when people hit fucking home runs and brett gardner hit 28 so oh uh, hell yes i really should have seen this coming i really should have and i i didn't so zero points for josh on that all right, next up, I have the Padres look like a contending team by August, but miss out on the playoffs due to early season struggles. Uh, they look like a contending team maybe next year, uh, but they definitely didn't look like it this year uh, and did actually miss out on the playoffs. So I guess I could give myself half credit, but I'm not going to because I'm not an Astros fan. So, oh, well. Fuck them. <laughs> God, they just keep getting worse. Um, my ne- my next one is that despite additions, Pittsburgh still finishes with a better record than Cincinnati. Uh, no, uh, the, the Reds <laughs> won seventy five games. The Pirates won sixty nine games. This actually looked really probable all the way through the All Star break because Pirates were not bad by any stretch of the imagination. They were actually kind of in the running for the division lead. They they were within they were within five games of the division lead throughout the entirety of the first half of the season. And at some points during the early parts of the season, we're actually winning the division. And then the second half of the season, they just fucking tanked. Whereas in the second half of the season, the Reds played super well. Um despite the fact they still finished 12 games under 500, this red season, I think you'd have to call a relative success. But uh, unfortunately, my prediction, while looking so good for so long, did not come true. No points. 
Yep, that's a shame. So let's see. Up next, I have the Yankees bullpen has a cumulative sub 2.5 ERA. Uh, just did the math real quick on my phone. I assume it's right. I don't know. I actually could double check it, but I'm not going to. So out of the top five, just because I don't want to fucking do it for like 20 different pitchers of Aroldis Chapman, Chad Green, Adam Adovino, Zach Britton, and Tommy Canely. I think I finally got Canely's name right. Did I? Yes, you did. Woohoo! Uh, they have a 2.76 ERA. So close, but not quite. Yeah, it'll probably only get worse if you add in the other pitchers. Exactly. I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, I just want to see. Ooh, I do have it here. I double checked it. I did get the math right. Uh, the Yankees cumulative bullpen ERA is 4.08. Ooh, not great. Not uh, that's actually great. top 10. All right. Well, not great for my prediction. Pretty good for the Yankees. I think if you had picked like the Yankees back end bullpen. Yeah. That's no, what I meant because I, I I have like the top names there. I just I don't know. I guess I just didn't word it perfectly. Uh again, four point oh eight because you have to keep in mind how many innings are like mop up innings and shit and how many relievers you throw in when you don't care about this game anymore. Um mm-hmm. cause like it's actually like I said, they they're top ten. I mean they finished ahead of some pretty decent ass bullpens here. So ain't no shame in that. Anyway, shall we uh oh my next one. Uh the Cubs win one hundred games. Ish. In a season where seemingly every team won hundred games. <laughs> the <laughs> Cubs were not one of them. The Cubs won eighty-four, sixteen full ass games shy of where I said they would be. <laughs> no points. Yeah, that's um it's a shame, but oh well. Uh let's see, what do I have up next? I have Shohai Otani records thirty plus home runs, but oh, has thirty plus home runs and leads the league in OPS. Uh well, he did not have thirty home runs. He only had eighteen, which is not great. Uh that came with an OPS of 848, uh, which does not lead the major league. So I definitely did not have that here. Uh, I actually want to see if I could find Otani amongst... Nope. He is not in the top 136, so I don't think he was qualified. Yeah. Well, he also missed a lot of time from injury, so he's probably losing qualification on that too. Also, also true. Uh, the next one, I, uh, I get, I'll give myself half credit on this. The Phillies win 90-plus games, but misses the playoffs. Um, so, obviously, they did not win 90-plus games. They won 81. They finished at a cool 500 record, uh, but they did miss the playoffs. And if I recall correctly, my rationale behind this was I could very easily see the Braves, Mets, or Nationals winning over whatever number of games the Phillies did. And all three of those teams beat out how many wins the Phillies got as the Phillies finished fourth, besting only the Marlins by record. So um, a firm half a point here for myself and a strong pat on the back. Good shit. Good shit. 
Next up, I have Walker Bueller surpasses Clayton Kershaw as the Dodgers' most dominant pitcher and starts game one of the NLDS. Well, here are some comparative stats for you listeners. Walker Bueller finished with a 3.26 ERA in uh, 30 games. Clayton Kershaw finished with a 3.03 in 29 uh, Bueller had a 14 and four record, while Kershaw had a 16 and five. Bueller pitched 182.1 innings. Kershaw had 178.1. Um, Bueller gave up 20 home runs. Kershaw gave up 28. Bueller had a 3.01 FIP to Kershaw's 3.86, and had 1.1 higher strikeout per nine than. Uh, Kershaw. So you could argue that Bueller could have surpassed Kershaw at some point this season. But the second part of this question really solidifies it because Walker Bueller did pitch game one of the NLDS and won that game. Uh, so, you know, pretty fantastic prediction for Corwin. I'm going to give myself uh, half a point because I'm not a cheap guy. I was going to say, you should, should definitely be giving yourself only half a point here. <laughs> I'm just looking up at a curiosity. I just want to say that is the only point I've gotten so far. <laughs> so the NLDS between the Dodgers and the Nationals, because I made fun of you because I said that usually you start your best pitcher in game two, and Clayton Kershaw did pitch game two. Although yeah. he lost, he did still pitch game two. So I might, <laughs> I might just give myself half a point on getting that shit right. On, in your uh, I'm not no, going to. I won't allow that. I won't allow that. I'm, I'm not going to. But that, that's funny. <laughs> um, my next prediction will garner me a full point. It was that Nathan Eovaldi pitches fewer than 120 innings in 2019. Nathan Eovaldi pitched 67. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Nathan Eovaldi. Not the prettiest of seasons. Uh, and hey, I just want to make sure I have, yeah, 67.2 innings. And this um might be like a no shit kind of statement because it felt, you know, <coughs> Excuse me. if you take out last year where he pitched 111 total innings, like he didn't, he doesn't pitch a lot of innings. Like, no. he, he's, he's hurt a lot. And Red Sox fans at the time were blowing up Twitter like, Avaldi's uh, going to be a workhorse for us. Like, you know, he's going to be a top three of the rotation kind of guy. He was barely around. He got hurt again and didn't do shit. So, full point on this. It was a weird prediction. Doesn't really fit with the theme of our other ones because he's kind of a relatively no name player. But I'm pretty sure I was still salty about them winning the World Series. So, mm-hmm. there you have it. He was good for them in the playoffs gosh. last year. Oh, just great for them in the playoffs last year. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have won the World Series without him. <laughs> uh, number nine for me, Matt Chapman leads Major League Baseball in war with 10.5 on his way to winning MVP. Um, he did not win MVP. That was good old uh, Mike Trout. Let's see. He finished sixth with 89 vote points, 21% share. Um, so not terrible, not great for uh, my prediction, at least. He finished fifth amongst all position players with 6.7 war. That would have been ninth overall. Had a fantastic season, but wasn't quite up to snuff for these predictions. 
just real quick, because I actually realized I don't think we said it. Um, Justin Verlander won AL Cy Young. We talked about Cy Young a lot. Won it for the American League. Uh, so Justin Verlander beat Garrett Cole. Uh, they took all the first place and second place votes. So everyone who voted. So like Justin Verlander has 13, 17 first place votes and 13 second place votes. Garrett Cole has 13 first place votes and 17 second place votes. <laughs> votes um, which is hilarious. And But what's what's interesting is that if you look at MVP voting, Garrett Cole has more MVP votes than Justin Verlander. Yikes. Garrett Cole had 61 points in MVP voting to Justin Verlander's 56. They finished 10th and 11th, respectively. Mm-hmm. And and yet, Justin Verlander beat Garrett Cole in Cy Young voting. And so you have to wonder... So So the way it works is you don't have the same people voting for all of the awards. There's groups that vote for one award. So the guys who voted for Cy Young are not the same people voting for MVP. But how how interesting is that of a disconnect? And granted, it's not a big disconnect. You know, it's only, what was it, five, six points of MVP shares? Uh, Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, five. It is. But, like, how funny is that? That Garrett Cole had a top 10 MVP finish and Justin Verlander did not, but Justin Verlander still won the Cy Young. That's just the way it is. Do 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 do. Yeah, MLB can suck it. Suck a whole dick. Yeah. <laughs> is why that did, your last prediction? Oh, why, God. Did, why did Eduardo Rodriguez finish sixth in Cy Young voting? I have absolutely no idea. I don't know how he could have gotten that many points in the first place. This is ridiculous. It's because he went 19 and 6. Yeah, I guarantee there it you. is. That's 3.81 3. ERA is fine, but like nothing else here is impressive. I don't know how you could look at a 3.81 ERA this year and be like, yeah, he's top 10 for uh, Cy Young, for sure. He, he, has, he has the fewest strikeouts and highest whip of oh God. and highest ERA of everyone who finished in the top eight absolutely asinine wow that's so fucking dumb all right fuck you eduardo rodriguez you, you're not even good you had a weird year and it wasn't Dude. even great fuck you eduardo rodriguez <laughs> no my last prediction um is unfortunately not true i say unfortunately because of injury my last prediction was jordan hicks finishes top 10 in young voting uh he got very hurt and did not finish out the season beyond a few months we did have one relief pitcher who finished in the top 10 in Cy Young voting. It was Kirby Yates of the San Diego Padres, or at least I should say the NL Cy Young voting. It was Kirby Yates of the San Diego Padres who had himself a wonderful year. Led, I think, all of MLB in saves. I believe he had uh, 41 of them, a 1.19 ERA, which is just stupid, a 0.890 whip. And um, God, it's just a, just a great year for him. I want to see if there's any relief pitchers in the AL Cy Young voting. No. Nope. But yeah, sorry Jordan Hicks, you got hurt and uh I wish you didn't cuz you're fun. Yeah, number 10 for me uh, is a very sad one for me. I said Chris Davis would hit 247 for the fifth consecutive year and uh <sighs> he did not he hit a good old 220 bringing his career average down three whole well 0.3 percent 
uh, career-wise. Three points, that is a much better use of words, uh, to 244. Wait, was his career batting average 247? It was, yeah. Uh, We use the term basis points. Yeah, Basis points? At least that's what we use in my economics classes. Yeah, if you're talking about, like, decimals, yeah, right? And you're talking about the second decimal place, we called that a basis point. Yeah, all my because, professors just say point zero zero three. Well, it, it so. becomes convenient when, with your, especially when you're talking about econ, because you talk about like, all right, so what should the Federal Reserve do with interest rates this year? Well, they should raise it um, 15 basis points. It's easier than saying raise it 15%, because are you saying that you want to raise it 15% above what it currently is? Or are you saying that you want to add 15, um, 15 points to it? Or are you saying that you want to raise it to 15%? So it's easier to say, we're going to raise it 15 basis points, which are 15 individual percentage points. I'm 100% with you. That is a significantly better way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense um, when, when, you, when it gets explained. So, yeah. So, it drop three basis points. Damn, those Ramapo professors just really running laps around these Penn State ones. I mean, what can I say? Gang, gang, <laughs> Ramapo College. Roadrunners all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, so yeah, that does it for for uh, our predictions. Do you have any any big takeaways from from our predictions or from the awards as we have read those out as well? Um, I was surprised to see Cody Bellinger win it over Christian Yelich. Oh yeah, uh, we didn't talk about the NL MVP much, did we? No, we didn't. Uh, we really we talked about Mike Trout a lot, and we did not touch on NL really at all. But you know, it's fine. Nobody really cares about the NL. I'm right, so. so sad, and I don't. And so this, I think, again, goes to the fact that the people who vote on one don't vote on the other, because doesn't it seem like such a weird disconnect yet again that Mike Trout, who missed basically just as many games as Christian Yelich, Christian Yelich played 130, Mike Trout played in 134. So, yeah, they missed basically the same amount of time. Uh, And yet. Christian Yelich got shafted nine entire first place votes. That's a lot of first place votes. Yeah. To Cody Bellinger, and I get that Bellinger's war was really high this year, and I know he led all of baseball in war, but I don't give a fuck about that. Like, Yelich led every, uh, in, in led, um, sorry, Yelich led the National League in all five major batting categories. Like, when yeah. we talked about this the other day, batting average, on base percentage, slugging, OPS, and OPS plus, all of them were led by Christian Yelich, and the last. In the middle two, slugging an OPS, he let all the baseball in it. Like he, I, I, I know he missed time. I know his WAR wasn't as high as Yell as Bellinger's because of defense or whatever, or base running or some stupid shit. But like, fuck, man. Yeah, if if he didn't miss that much time uh, at the end of the season, like he did, I still think uh, he would have won despite the defensive trade off. Uh, just because his hitting numbers were so good. Um, like Bellinger's fall off just throughout the season just was concerning. Uh, Yelich was fairly consistent the whole way through. So, like I said, he would have he uh, would have had my vote. But, um, you know, I have Cody Bellinger in a dynasty league, like I said. So I'm happy that he won it. I love him as a player. Um, but, yeah, congrats. So real quick. Uh, Cody Bellinger's I'll start Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich's D War in 2019, which I I've I've talked about how I don't particularly care for D War, but it's still useful for these types of conversations. Uh, negative 0.7. Mm-hmm. 
Cody Bellinger's DUR, 1.9. That's a significant difference. So if we take away the 1.9 DUR that Cody Bellinger had, that brings his total war down to um, 8.1. No, 7.1. Sorry, 7.1. And if we add the um, or take away the negative 0.7 of Christian Yelich's DUR, then he goes to 7.8. And then, boom, he has more war than Cody, than Cody Bellinger does. Because it'd be it'd be seven point one WAR for Cody Bellinger mm. to seven point eight WAR for Christian Yelich, and I honestly think that defense, while it's relatively important for baseball, and I say relatively because I, it it is and it isn't. It depends on what you're asking about. As relatively important to baseball as it is, I don't give a fuck about <laughs> it when it comes to MVP voting. If you are basing your MVP voting on defense, you're dumb. You're Matt stupid. Chapman. You Matt suck. Matt Chapman. <laughs> Unless they're a platinum glove winner and it's like super, super, super impressive. No, honestly, even then, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I'm never going to be impressed by a right fielder. Like, I, and I know, I know Aaron Judge, he plays for the Yankees. He's got, he's a super impressive outfielder. He's a super impressive right fielder. That's cool. If Aaron Judge ever wins MVP <laughs> based on his defense, I'll think I mean, I'll take it, but I'll also be like, "Wow, that's a stupid ass reason, <laughs> motherfucker, to win MVP." Matt Chapman. Yes, Matt Chapman. I, Matt Chapman. I, the thing is, though, I can actually understand it way more on a third baseman, a third baseman, or a shortstop or a catcher. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, 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 I it's like I won't, I don't like it, but like, all right, I, 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 I can get behind it a little bit more because it's at least cool looking. But oh, right field defense, really. <laughs> We're going to give a, an MVP award to a man who did better in right field defense. That's that's fucking dumb. It's oh, <laughs> hate it. Uh, salty. I am. I, it's not even my team and I'm salty. <laughs> it's not even my league and I'm salty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh, here's the big question. Yes. Are you ready to talk about some Miles Garrett? Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah, I guess if we're ever going to be, this is uh, this is the time. Yep. So the big news coming out of the NFL today. Uh, today is Friday, the fifteenth, uh, day after this incident happened. Um, I won't summarize it just because I assume by now everyone and their mother kind of knows what happens. Miles Garrett. On a play, attacked Miles or Mason Rudolph uh, with his own helmet and just kind of bashed him real good right on the top of the noggin. Um, you know what, though? Let's let's yeah. actually break it down a little bit because I think okay, sure. it's going to become important here. So it was a play that was already whistled dead. And yes. Miles Garrett is still coming in at Mason Rudolph and then yes. tackles him, brings him to the ground. Flags thrown immediately for roughing the passer because it was a very late hit. Mm -hmm. By the way, and it was it was the way that he brought him down that was. It wasn't you know laying him out full tackle. It was kind of one of those half twists, half you know throws. Not quite a suplex, but almost more like freestyle wrestling. For those of you that actually watch wrestling, um, it it wasn't a pretty hit all around. No, and it actually, in style and timing, 
reminded me a lot of the hit he delivered on Trevor Simeon that ended his season earlier this year. A hundred percent. Which was another late hit. Um, at least was it? Actually, now I don't remember. But it was. It, a, it, it was, it a, was a dirty hit. It was it a was late a, dirty hit. Really rough hit. And so Mason Rudolph reacts very poorly to it while he's pinned under. And the other thing that's kind of weird is that it's not a huge delay, but Miles Garrett like laid on top of Rudolph for like a little while there. Because the thing is, with late hits, it's one thing if you're still charging in and you kind of just like put your hands on the QB or like, you know, you just kind of give him like a chest bump because of inertia or whatever. Look, that shit happens. Those are the kind of things where if roughing the passer gets thrown, a lot of people are like, all right, that's soft. Like, what the fuck? But like, because you, you, you get it, you know, you're running full bore at a guy. It's tough to, to lay up in five seconds. But that also doesn't mean that you still maintain the entire trajectory of your tackle and don't let up in the slightest, which is what Miles Garrett did. And then when he's down, he lays on top of Mason Rudolph for like a little bit longer than is necessary. Right. Mason Rudolph is quite understandably pretty fucking annoyed by this and starts pulling at Miles Garrett's helmet, which is weird. Uh, People are saying he was trying to get it off to start shit. And, I think he was just fucking mad, and that was the best he could come up with on the spot. Yeah, I. it's tough because he is clearly pulling at the helmet. I don't want to say he was trying to rip it off. I think he was just trying to get Miles Garrett off of him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I really just think he was trying to get him the fuck out of there. Like, he was clearly upset with the hit, and he was just like, get the fuck away from me. I'm done. And being the fact that his arms were at head level for Miles Garrett, that was really the best way to do it. And then once Miles Garrett starts to get up, he very clearly releases from the head. And the other uh, thing that's that's bothering me a lot about this is that people are saying that Mason Rudolph kicked him in the crotch, which is oh God, so massively untrue. Fucking argument ever. Uh, it's and, a and bunch keep... of still pictures of Mason oh, Rudolph foot lining up with the crotch of Miles Garrett. I've never seen anyone. Yeah, I've never seen anyone argue it with any video evidence. There are no angles, and it's clear that he doesn't go to kick him in the dick. Like it's... no, it, he he's pushing him away with his foot, and I can. Uh, I I usually hate qualifying at, at the beginning of an argument, but I can tell you as a martial arts instructor of over a decade that that is so not a kick and does not hurt anyone. And I do that to kids to get them used to the idea of how to kick right. Like, that shit, that's just Mason Rudolph saying, man, get the fuck off of me. You already hit me late. You're lying on top of me for no reason. And now it looks like you're trying to start shit. Get the fuck away from me. That's all that shit was. He did not kick uh, Miles Garrett in the dick. And even if he did, it'd be stupid for him to do it because Miles Garrett's wearing a cup. <laughs> <laughs> like, not like that shit matters but again he didn't so miles garrett then gets all up in his feelings about it because he's a punk bitch and starts jawing at mason rudolph and then i forget does he does he yank mason rudolph's helmet off or does the helmet come off naturally looking at the video now Let's yeah see, on the ground it's tussling a bit and then the o-lineman try to wrestle miles garrett off is a bit yeah he rips his own he rips uh, Garrett's helmet off and then slams it down on his head before the O-lineman Rudolph. can tackle him to the ground. Yeah, slams it on Rudolph's head before the O-lineman can tackle him down and flags come flying everywhere. And the, the reason this... Oh, sorry, go ahead. The thing that strikes me about this is there's a significant... Like, there's a full five-second count between the point when he rips the helmet off and brings it down to his side 
where he's getting pushed back by, um, I want to say it's David DeCastro, yeah, before he goes and tomahawks Mason Rudolph with it. Like, Mason Rudolph is sticking with them, clearly yelling, but he's also clearly not a threat. And Miles Garrett still full Thor's hammer brings it down right on top of him five full seconds after, you know, their separation. There's so many things about this that drive me fucking insane. First off, on the end of the Cleveland Browns, where are all the rest of the defensive players? Why are they not helping out? Why are they not pulling Miles Garrett back? Like, where's... Oh. Larry Ogunjobi. Larry Ogunjobi helps by shoving Mason Rudolph to the ground. I I don't fucking get that in the slightest. So second, uh, Miles Garrett. All right, why are you a bitch? So first of all, you decided to strike a a, a harmless ass dude. First off, he's a quarterback. They're wimps. Second off, what's he? What's he? He's not doing any shit to you, man. Mm-hmm. He's jawing at you. You're 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 so up in your feelings you can't stand being jawed at. You're a pro he, athlete, bro. Back the fuck he's up. He's not just a pure athlete. He's one of the most premier athletes in all of pro sports. Like if you see this guy as you know, not as a defensive end, not as an NFL player, but just as a pure athletic person, he is just so above and beyond anything Mason Rudolph could ever be. There is no threat of Mason Rudolph when you're Miles Garrett. It's and just even even if Mason Rudolph was coming at him, you know, like there was no O lineman there, and Mason Rudolph was all up in his face, yelling at him, being aggressive, being a punk. Dude, have restraint. The other thing that's yeah. driving me crazy is I keep seeing people saying like, "Well, Mason Rudolph shouldn't have instigated. Like, why are you instigating?" And like, that's not he the same, man. Even if he was, let's assume he was, just for the sake of argument, that he's instigating. That gives no right to Miles <laughs> Garrett to swing at him first. He yeah. still did. He still, even if you want to say that the that the the push away was a kick to the nuts, that should happen eight full ass seconds ago and 10, 20 yards ago. Like that's not relevant to what happened anymore. Miles Garrett swung at him for no reason other than he got his feelings hurt. And he was annoyed that he hit the quarterback when he wasn't supposed to. And the refs told him he couldn't do that. And oh, now this guy's yelling at me and I'm sad. And I'm going to beat him over the head. You know how heavy a helmet is in the NFL? Six pounds. Seven pounds. Eight pounds? It's more than that. It's like seven or eight ass pounds. A brick is six. He hit that man with 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 a deadly ass object. Oh, Riddell, Riddell, Riddell. Do you do you know what kind of helmet Mason Rudolph uses? I'm gonna look what? this up. I'm gonna get real specific with this. I'm gonna find it. Uh, I I I kind of want to know that now, that now that you mentioned it. Um, fuck. What kind of helmet is it? I don't know. You tell I'm, me. I I'm I'm gonna look this up, but I just want to say, I'm not taking this personally against um Miles Garrett. I know as a person he's better than this. I'm just saying this is the just absolute worst possible way. Um, like the worst possible. This is a horrible sentence. I'm starting over. I'm not holding this against Miles Garrett. I know he's a good person. This is just an awful decision, just in an awful burst of emotion. Um, and if he can, you know, come back next season, obviously, uh, which we'll go into and just put this stuff behind him and just be the stand up player we all expected him to be, 
I don't think there's going to be any serious grudges held against him. But if he just doesn't take this in stride and, you know, really just is aggressive about this whole incident, I I honestly can't support the guy. Because this is way worse than anything, you know, Nadama can sue or um, I won't say Warren Sapp. He was a pretty disgusting guy. But this is way bigger than anything that's happened in the NFL recently. What do you think of the um, what do you think the punishment should be? So, so far, he's already been issued as indefinitely suspended in in this uh indefinitely in general does not mean forever it just means that it will be updated more fully at a later date so it could end up being a six game suspension it could end up being the rest of the season it's just to be determined uh, mm-hmm. what do you think would be a fair punishment um i do agree with um miles garrett's suspension throughout the rest of the season uh i think that's pretty fair considering um the circumstances of what went down i would have liked to see two games for marquise pouncey instead of three um one for larry Ogunjobi is fine uh i agree with that i do think i do agree with the fact that mason rudolph wasn't suspended and it just results in a fine we don't know what the fines are yet but i think it's going to be a a fairly significant one. Uh, I, think I would the say Steelers probably like fine was two hundred fifty thousand. That was as a team, though. So both the oh. Browns and the Steelers were fined two hundred fifty thousand as teams. Um, they haven't released the individual fines for any of the players yet. I think like a a thirty to forty thousand dollar range would be fine, um, considering everything that is probably, you know, very fair. Um, God, I don't know what the fuck they're going to find the rest of these guys because it's, it's got to be significant. And I just, I don't know what they're going to use as, um, as precedence here because it's just so far beyond. I, th- I think, I think this is going to have to be the precedence. So if I, if I was the commissioner, I would suspend. Uh, Miles Garrett for the rest of the season and run the gamut on him in the interim. You got to start doing, like, you got to be doing charity work. You got to, like, meet with Mason Rudolph and apologize. You got to do a training session where you go over, like, why what you did was fucked up. Uh, you know, people are saying kick him out of the league, and that I think no, is fucking extreme. No, fuck That's that. real fucking extreme. Guys like Vontez Perfect who have shown that. They're not going to let, you know, anything the NFL does stop them from being that shitty of a player. I'm all aboard kicking those kind of people out of the league. This is the first time Miles Garrett has really done anything like this. I mean, he's had uh, some bad uh, plays in the past. He did but punch a dude in the face this year. He did. Um, I honestly forget who that was. I think it was like week. Once it was something against the Jags. Two. Yeah, something like that. But, you know. That happens. That's nowhere near close to this. So, again, it's just like the tears that these different things are at. Like, they're bad plays, and I don't like seeing them. But that's not exactly, you know, guys twisting ankles, guys headhunting like Vontez Perfect or, you know, Nadama Kinsu with all those ankle issues in the past. Yeah, um, I, this is just so far above and beyond anything else that I don't think it could really be considered 
truly, you know, consistent behavior. Yeah, no, I, 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 I in general think that, that you're right. Also, another thing to keep in mind is the motherfucker's 23. Right. Like, 23. I mean, have you ever met a 23-year-old athlete of any level, of any level? They're all yeah. hotheads. So, like, on the one hand, what he did was fucking deplorable, and dude should be fucking ashamed, and oh my god, what a goddamn jackass, and I I am so pissed off. You know, here's hand, a point. What's up? If they let guys like Joe Mixon and Tyree Kill stay in the league after beating women, beating pregnant women at that, how could you say that this is so much worse that they need to kick Miles Garrett out of the NFL? It's not. It's not at all. And and one of the, the point I'm trying to make though is like twenty three year olds make a bunch of stupid ass mistakes, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, this was really fucking bad. This was, and the NFL should make an example out of him, but they should also give him the chance to, you know, be better. Dude ain't going to get better if you don't give him the opportunity to get better. You know, the end, that's what I'm saying. In the interim, the NFL should have him doing, spending his time being productive, doing charity work, meeting with people for, you know, trainings and shit on how to be not uh, manage his anger better. I think it's weird that you never hear about it in football because in baseball you have uh, every single team has has sports psychologists like damn oh, yeah. every single team. Dylan Batances talks about how sports psychologists helped him tremendously in his career, and you could see it from his 2017 and 2018 with runners on base. He used to freak him the fuck out, and maybe that's all the dude needs. Maybe all the dude needs is a sports psychologist to be like, "Hey, here's how we manage anger on the field," because that's I- apparently an issue for him right now. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy. Just means uh-huh. he's having a hard time processing his anger on the field. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with what you said. I've met the guy that the Penn State football team has for their sports psychologist. He is a fantastic dude. He's a veteran. Um, He really just focuses on staying in the background and just being there to help when needed. You know, these are young kids, you know, especially for a college team compared to the NFL emotions are hard i mean we know that in this day and age more than anything mental health is such a huge issue i just i really think that that is the next big step for nfl teams like we saw with analytics for baseball and uh the medical issues in every world medical advancements in every sport i think mental health has been something that more and more teams and leagues have been focusing on and i think bringing these types of personnel in full time to work with your players is going to be huge. Yeah, I agree. And again, we Gordon and I started this by shit talking the fuck out of Miles Garrett because this was a fucked up thing, but people get more than one chance to be good, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh here's something I, for you. What's up? Uh finish up what you have to say because this is a whole new topic. I I I just want to say again, like this fucking sucks because I think everyone wants to root for Miles Garrett. Yeah, so I do. I I look forward to his 2020 campaign. <laughs> but one other thing, real quick, is I think what's going to be additionally important to this issue is how the Cleveland Browns handle it. Yes, because 100%. they they need this could become a locker room issue real fucking fast. I'm and not saying him. Right I'm saying this uh, situation could really divide because we already had Baker Mayfield come out and say that Miles Garrett should get suspended. That's quarterback. Like, Mm -hmm. like how the Cleveland Browns handle this going forward. Like this shit could determine the rest of the season. 
I really loved the way Baker handled it too. It was a very, you know, it's a hard response to really give out to reporters. Like there's a lot of emotions involved because that is your teammate and it is a horrible situation. Um, and he's had his issues with emotions in press conferences in the past. And I think he did a very excellent job. Um, I will say my Miles Garrett sack record prediction. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Um, just yeah, saying. <laughs> um, yeah, but what does uh, what does this where does this leave? I should say Freddie Kitchens and his relationship with the front office of the Cleveland Browns because discipline has very much been one of the weaker aspects of his tenure there. Uh, the Browns lead the NFL with 87 penalties so far this season. Oh they lead the God. NFL with four ejections, three last night, and one, I think, in week one or two, uh, Greg Robinson punching a player. It's, you know, this is a serious issue. And, you know, Freddie Kitchens doesn't have a track record before this as a head coach. So this was, you know, his trial run. And honestly, if I got to give my opinion on it, I don't think they should bring him back. I think if it was just the offensive and defensive issues, well, really just the offensive issues, I would say, you know, maybe give him another shot one more year. You know, he's inexperienced enough where this could help him. But man, with everything that's been involved with the Browns this year with discipline, I, I just don't think you could bring him back. No, they're undisciplined and they're underperforming. And you can usually take one or the other, but you, you mm-hmm. like, you can be have a healthy locker room and be mediocre. Uh, to subpar, like you can have a healthy locker room and underperform, or you can have a mess of a locker room and kill it. But you don't get to do both, you know. Like this, this is a tough ins- situation, especially because the Browns are trying to actively be good. Which, if I was them, I I would be in the position of, look, this is a window we're trying to open now. We got to have the right guy. We're gonna have a short ass leash, you know. Mm-hmm. The last thing, the last thing the Browns as an organization want to do is have a window where they have talent at a lot of positions, which they do, and have it get pissed away from poor coaching. Because both are tough to get, but getting in a room, the amount of talent that they have is something that they have been incapable of doing since this franchise got started in 99. Like, mm-hmm. they they cannot let this go by means of coaching. They, they have to be proactive. I just, uh, I hope uh, John Dorsey steps up with uh, the ownership that just really, you know, really hoping on Jimmy Haslam for uh, putting out uh, good vibes. Oh, I actually just got a notification. Apparently they have hired Johnny Manziel as the new head coach. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I literally owner- checked my phone to check for like this <laughs> notification. And, eh, the owner no. of the Browns has stepped in and said that they did not want to hire Bill Belichick, who was willing to, to leave the Patriots. But he insisted on Johnny Manziel being the new head coach of the Browns. How about that? <laughs> Johnny Football. I miss him. Oh, I miss good Johnny miss Football. Yeah. Um, there's been more Astros stuff, but I feel like we talked about it a lot last time we recorded, and there's not there's more to talk about now, but there's not too much more to talk about now. So mm-hmm. maybe we could wait a little bit until more comes out. But I am so fascinated yeah this is insane I'm loving it uh, i agree that we should probably wait until more comes to light before we you know spend time on the podcast talking about it just you know no need for the court of public opinion here let's wait for you know 
more evidence, but we already gave our, our initial hot takes. So exactly. So like, man, I, I hope there's a lot more cause this is fantastic, but oof, this has been, this juicy. is rough. Yo, did you see the, uh, the, the fucking hate mail that, that John boy took a screenshot of and posted on his Twitter. Yeah, that was Houston fans are writing that is emails to John boy accusing him of making up all the videos and adding in the banging sounds Absolutely just to fuck insane. with Astros. I I know. I, I actually know. liked the tweet on Twitter just like I want to be able to look back at the end of this and just see how fucking insane these people are. Dude, the city of Houston. Should I read it? Melting down. No, let's not. I don't want to give that guy all right. Fair enough. He got from the John Boy page, but the city of Houston, man. Wow, what a bunch of soft bitches. Oh my god. Damn. It's been a ride. Um, I know you definitely want Alex Cora to be punished by this because, you know, Red Sox. I hope heads fly all over the league because of it. I just I want something crazy to happen. One of the things that's that's been discussed a lot is that like when the Red Sox got caught using Apple Watches in 2017, the league was like, "All right, like next time something like this happens, sign stealing by means of electronics, like we're gonna make the punishment so severe it's never gonna happen again." Mm -hmm. And here we are, (laughs) two years (laughs) later, and it's time to pony up on that promise. Oh man, I'm dying to see what it is. Uh, this is just the best F5 season ever. I know. And we already had a free agent signing that was meaningful. Like, this yeah. is a great offseason. Way to go, Will Smith. <laughs> we already talked about Will Smith, right? Uh, I don't think we did, but he signed a three-year contract with the Braves. Uh, good for him. Good for the Braves. Yeah, I don't really care. Yeah, I don't really care either. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> um, all right, you want to wrap it up then? Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And if you want to find show notes, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers.Worksite.com slash website, JuicingTheNumbers.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.